can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long tongue liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Came back to the hotel, and there's Kevin Nash in the lobby with a, two cases of beer and a bunch of people around him. And uh, this guy, Justin Labar, was there, and he, he, uh, he ran up to me. He's like, hey, man, how you doing? He knew me, and he's like, did you want to meet Nash now? And I was like, yeah. So Justin's like, hey, man, this is the kid you're working. And Nash just kicked out a chair. He said, sit the fuck down. The beer's over there. And I was like, oh. And uh, me and Kevin Nash stayed up till about 7.30, 8 in the morning, um, drinking beer and uh, smoking cigarettes. Um, yeah! <laughs> and, uh, then we wrestled the next day, and Kevin Nash said, uh, he's like, he, he obviously was sympathetic to the knee injury, so he was cool with everything, and uh, we had a fun match. We took heat on Kevin Nash, me and Marion Fontaine. And, uh, yeah, it was quite the experience that weekend. But he's a fucking awesome dude. And then the next day he uh, mentioned me on Twitter and my life was complete. <laughs> you just wanted to say suck it with him, didn't you? you just... I didn't get to. I actually, he gave uh, Fontaine the jackknife. Okay. And I was rolling in because I was going to take a fucking jackknife. But by the time I got back in the ring, he was already halfway down the aisle. Because he really only had, it was one, bro. He was gone. Like that man can work. If you know what I mean, work. He can work. Cause then we were in the back, and the owner comes up and uh, he said, "Hey, uh, there's, a, I don't know, this is gonna you know, incriminate Kevin Nash, but he said, hey, there's a there's a, a waitress out here for you or something.'" And Kevin Nash goes, "A blonde?" And the guy goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, tell Sally I'll be right out." I don't know what he was up to that night, but he was gonna have a good time in Cleveland. All right. <laughs> All right, switching gears. Uh, the next week, he was on WWE pay per view, powerbombing Punk. Oh, look at that! He, look at that! You're one step away from Punk. I fucking wish. You know the money I'd be making. <laughs> Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, a retrospective pro wrestling podcast network where we romanticize, fantasize, watch, and review your favorite or not-so-favorite storylines, matches, events, and or feuds from your pro wrestling past. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and this is Catching Up. I am joined here with the other half of the hosting squad, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, what's going on? Hey, what's up, bud? How's, how's everything? It's, it's going good. It's a new year. It's a new... Uh, new ventures for us but uh this is a somber episode for catching up yeah i mean you know it's uh i thought it was fitting that we dedicate this this month's episode to the the passing of the late great john huber aka Brody lee aka luke harper um 
who had passed away uh, tragically um, and uh, you know very sudden uh, over the holidays and I thought it would be fitting that we uh, we, we take the opportunity to um, talk about our memories of him as a performer what we knew of him and then we'll watch uh, one of his uh, famous matches from WWE as Luke Harper it's part of the Wyatt family as they take on the shield uh, Roman Reigns Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins from the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view event in 2014 on WWE Network so uh, yeah uh, I'm looking forward to uh, reminiscing a little bit and talking about it and giving my thoughts um, Obviously, uh, you know, this is a, a tragic loss for the wrestling world um, in the last several weeks. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 I feel as a fan, it, it would be good to just get it all off our chest and, and, and talk about it. And uh, maybe, maybe it'll be cathartic for us. Who knows? But uh, I, I got, some, I got some, some thoughts on it that I'd like to share with everyone at some point. So, Absolutely, absolutely. And... Um... Yeah, it's just terrible this time of year, especially the date, uh, December 26th, being the day that he passed, the day after Christmas. Um, yeah, just, um, and, and it seems to be a beloved person in the wrestling community. Uh, not one person has anything bad to say about him, or did have anything bad to say about him prior. So, um, it's just a, a, a terrible loss to the wrestling community and uh, anybody involved that knew him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, nobody really had a bad thing to say about him. He was, he was talked more about just how good of a person he was. Aside from the the performer and what he contributed to the industry, it was really about who he was as a human being, as a father, as a husband, as a family man, as a friend. Mm -hmm. um, that's what really, you know, the general consensus amongst his peers and everyone that has spoken highly of him was talked about how much of a good person he was, and um, you know. Like you said, around the holidays, uh, I'll be honest with you, um, you know, it's always unfortunate when, when people pass in any walk of life, um, especially wrestling. And wrestling has been known to, you know, have um, people pass away at a very young age for, you know, different, various different reasons. And it always has brought like a negative connotation, or excuse me, a negative representation of the wrestling business. Um, this one here, this one here, I've. Let me. Uh, th this one. It's been a long time since I've cried and weeped over the passing of a wrestler, probably since Owen Hart died. Mm -hmm. um, just because of the nature of how he passed. And, um, you know, we kind of. We didn't witness it on live television, but we were, you know, we all, you know, watched and ordered this pay-per-view, and it happened while it was, you know, transpiring on this show. Uh, yeah. But I mean, this one for me hits pretty hard. Um, every time I've watched a tribute video of him, anytime like, the ones that WWE put out, the one that AEW put out, um, seeing the pictures with him and his children, maybe it's just because I'm older. And, you know, it's the holidays. It was the holiday season when he had passed. Uh, I'm a parent. My stepson, my son, I should say, he's you know, 21 years old. Um, you know, I don't have that parental bond like, you know, he does with his father. But, you know, he's still my son, regardless whether it's stepson or not. He's my son. Mm -hmm. And so, um, 
that just kind of it, it, it got to me. Yeah. So, um, anytime I've seen any of these tributes to him, um, it, it's it's gotten me a little more than it usually has when it comes to wrestlers that have passed. I mean, you've heard of re- stories of wrestlers that have passed of drug overdoses and car accidents and heart attacks and yeah, you know things like that. You know, like. This was just so out of the blue, and you know, even up until this point as we record, we really don't have a ton of information as to, you know, how this all started, other than it was just a, a, a double lung infection. Right. The only uh, thing that I, I've seen that is, uh, he was hospitalized in October, late October, and uh, yeah. the, it was kept quiet for a while, and uh, passed to a lung-related um, issue. Um, yeah. And, and they're saying it's not related to COVID, but then. I just heard uh, the guy Brian Mitchell from Wade Keller show tried to put out a whole issue about uh, talking about how oh, wrestling yeah. companies are, are, you know, keeping quiet about how these guys are getting COVID and getting yeah. sick, and uh, he he believes it is due to COVID, and he that's put, just he, starting. He, that's stirring up a lot of uh, emotions. Wrong place, for wrong time. Yeah, exactly. For that. Wrong place, wrong time for that. <clears throat> now, if I can, you, you, yeah, go ahead. If I can just compare real quick like you said you know we we are used to drug overdoses or uh related to bad substance or uh you know a terrible accident um that has happened chris benoit <coughs> um that, that was no accident i know was, i know um, but yeah go so ahead. yeah so those things can i just put a big comparison here i mean the guy John Huber's wrestling name was Brody Lee, and one of the wrestlers that he looked up to the most was uh, Bruiser Brody. Yeah, um, was his idol, his hero. Exactly, and Bruiser Brody, as we know, passed away when he was 42, um, and John Huber was 41. Now, Bruiser Brody's death was a little bit on uh, a, a violent circumstances. He was stabbed to death in Puerto he was Rico. Murdered. Yeah, he was murdered. And uh, yeah. there, there's been stories about um, Bruiser Brody as a person. Um, and it, it, I just want to look at the contrast between the two characters. Um, there is a lot of similarities, but there is a big difference in the respect that Brody Lee was given uh, now instead of years later, or you know, um, and the the kind words that everybody has to say about John Huber Brody Lee compared to uh, Bruiser Brody and the guy that he idolized as well. So maybe this is making the shift for how wrestlers live and how the times are now. Well, they're very different. I mean, it's, it's you know, Bruiser Brody's death, you know, was it was over over differences with, you know, him and him and the booker mm-hmm. um, or one of the guys on the booking team in Puerto Rico. And, you know, but he had yeah, also was, been known to no show and uh, well, have a bad app reputation. Yeah. Uh, Bruiser Brody, I mean, for his, I've heard mixed reviews about Bruiser Brody. I've heard you know fifty fifty on on one side, he was one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet and a family man and was you know he he worked hard to provide for his family um, and he was a loyal friend to those that he was loyal to and then on the other side you hear that he was a very shrewd businessman looked out for himself um, and tried to squeeze every dollar out of the industry that he could um, at the expense of other people so you know you got two different parallels there when it comes to people comparing the the um 
who the who the man Frank Goodish was, aka Bruiser Brody. Now mm-hmm. in this in this instance, you have John Huber, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, who you know, like like we said at the top of the the show, nobody could nobody could find a bad thing to say about him, um, and it's not like he he died in controversial circumstances within the realm of professional wrestling. This was a health related issue that had, that, you know, had just surfaced in a short span in a short period of time. You know, you hear of guys all the time that, you know, end up dying or whatever, because they were, you know, doing blow off some hooker's ass Mm -hmm. um, in a hotel room after they just got off the phone with their wife and their kids 20 minutes prior. You know what I mean? Um, This is a completely different. This is a completely different situation here, um, and a, a definitely a different sign of the times. I mean, um, who was it? I think it was. I forget who it was, but um, uh, in one of the tributes, but they were talking about how um, you know the 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 culture of the locker room in the industry has changed drastically in the last 10, 12 years, where. Where there's, you know, where it's it's not all about, you know, going out and partying and having a few drinks and et cetera, et cetera. It was all about these guys, you know, going to their rooms and playing fucking video games and, you know, having a good time with their buddies, you know, and then calling it a night. And, and sharing and stories about their families and their, yeah. their little ones and uh, yeah exactly yeah. you know i think i oh it was mark henry mark and henry i'm sure i'm sure they they go out drinking because there's stories about their saturday you know what that oh, means yeah yeah, yeah yeah um, exactly i'm not yeah. i'm not saying that these guys are all choir boys either but for the most part it wasn't as it wasn't as rock and roll as it used to be back in the day i mean right. i think i think the t- the term jbl Mark Henry quoted JBL. I was on Busted Open. I was listening to it recently. And Mark Henry quoted JBL. JBL said that these younger guys were the boring ass heels because they didn't go out drinking <laughs> and they played video games in their in their, their hotel rooms after the show. Yeah, so a lot the, of these, the, the old guys lived their characters. Yeah, you know, they lived the characters and, and, and it was that, you know, rock and roll all night, you know, party every day kind of mentality. Whereas this generation in the last, in, in the last several years, I, w- I would dare say in the last decade or so, um, is all about playing video games in their room and the locker room environment is much different. And to, to their credit, I think that's a good thing because for, for many years, that whole rock and roll all night party every day um, reputation that the wrestling industry had put a negative, ble- you know, a, a negative blemish on the industry. Well, look and, at like the late '90s. How many well, deaths we saw? Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. My point is that like, you know, so I think, and, and I think, you know, Brody Lee. To get to my, you know, to the to the end of my point here, because I know I went around the block a few times. I think Brody Lee was a big part of that environment in the locker room of just like, you know, you had fun, but you, you, you had your limits, you know what I mean? Like, and it wasn't one, it wasn't, you know, that rock and roll party party every day kind of mentality, like like I've been saying. Um, so So, yeah, yeah, like he just just embodied embodied, like what was good about being a human being and, you know, a family man and just being a good, fun human being to be around. Um, from everything I've, I've, I've seen and heard from his peers. And it's unfortunate, and we say this a lot, you know, just in life in general, but it's unfortunate that it takes someone's passing for everyone to kind of, you know, to kind of center, center people and, and, and ground them, you know, and, and make them realize what they have. You know what I mean? Like, I'll be honest with you. 
when when I found out he passed, um, it wasn't until the next day. I, I you know my my job, and I won't go into details too much because it's a very important uh, job that I really don't <laughs> I really don't want to get into right now. But um, you know, I work third shift sometimes, and I don't have access to smartphone, internet, things mm-hmm. like that. So <clears throat> I got back from work and. First text message I saw was John Huber died, and I'm like, who the fuck is John Huber? And then I look, and it's like Luke Harper, Brody Lee, tragically passed. I'm like, whoa! Yeah, it just like floored me. And I think also too, and I'll kind of peel back the curtain a little bit here, is that you know, around the holiday, because of my job schedule, um, I wasn't able to be with my wife and my son for Christmas. I had to work Christmas, and therefore I had to work a double. Um, and so, um, even the next day, so I was gone for a few days and, you know, I was alone and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just me being alone. It was the holidays and get to see my wife. I'm a father. I'm older now. Like it just all kind of hit me at once. Mm -hmm. So like, I think you, you sent me a message too as well. Um, and it was just, it just kind of all came crashing down on me. Um, like, oh my God, like in the, 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 the enormity um, of of the situation and how fragile life is, and so you know when I got when I came home after you know being gone for five days, um, I you know I, I I hugged my wife immediately. It was yeah. just you know like it was just one of those things like, and she she and I have talked about it. And she was like there had to have been some. She she's like there had to have been something else that led to this. I don't understand. Like you don't just die like instantly from you know a double lung infection in the span of two months. And yeah, he did so. lose mass and some from noticing him being on AEW television. I did notice that he had relatively sized down. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it was just one of those things where, like I said, it just the enormity of it, and it, 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 it all, you know, a death will always kind of put you back, you know, into reality and make you realize what you what you have, and not to take it for granted. Um, and oh, yeah. you know, I I hope that like for anyone that deals with not only just this passing, but any passing, that it could be, you know, somewhat of a reality check for you that you know. Your life may not be so bad, you know. You know, be grateful for what you have instead of what you don't have. Um, and that's, I think, that's the lesson here um, when it comes to his passing is that you know, be grateful for for, for what you do have in your life um, because in the in, in in a matter of an instance, it could be gone, and and that couldn't ring more true with the passing of John Huber. Well said, Dave. Well said, Dave. And I, I like, like you said, it hit me. Uh, pretty hard too, especially um, watching the AEW tribute show. Um, that last little bit of that, I uh, had some tears rolling down because uh, oh, they showed man. all the photos and the connections. Dude, I and cried relations. like a baby. Yeah, I was. I, I, I cried like a baby. I didn't. I, I didn't watch the matches. Okay, because neither did I. You know, like I just fast forwarded and, and listened to the testimonials from the wrestlers. Um, and then at the end, I watched the thing at the end with, like, you know, his son, and they gave him the belt, and then they had that video at the end, and, you know, the video at the end, like, I'm just, like, instantly, like, my lips quivering, my mm-hmm. got a lump in my throat, I got tears rolling down my face, like, yeah. the, you know, it was just, it, it was, it was, it was beautifully done. I don't know if you watched the, um, the, I, I don't, I don't watch it regularly, but the Being the Elite, 
No, um, I did not watch that. So there, like the, it, was it was like the outtakes the scenes, scenes I think. Of, of you know that that day that show uh, the tribute to him and there was some show mm-hmm. uh, the tribute to him and there was some real big locker room speech at the end with um, Eddie Kingston. Okay. Um, I don't know what part of being the elite it was on. I don't know if it was the beginning or the end, but it was. I, I, I saw the speech, and it was one of those things where it's like you could run through a brick wall for the guy. Yeah. And after after what he just said, talking about how like you know we did this for Brody, let's keep this energy. That was the best damn tribute show I'd ever seen and I'd been a part of. Let's 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 keep doing this for Brody. Let's keep this energy right. and week in and week out. You know, um, right. do it for him. Do it for his son. Do it for his family. I love all. You know, he. Like I said, it was one of those inspirational, you know, uh, pep talks, like a coach's pep talk in a locker room before a big game. Like yeah. you'll want to r- walk across, you know, hot coals, butt naked through a fucking brick wall to, get, you know, for the guy at the end of the day. Um, so I highly suggest if you haven't seen it, it's the I don't know what the number of the episode is, but it's I think it's just like tribute to Brody Lee or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Eddie King, they show a, a few minutes of Kingston. Kind of, you know, it's, it was after the show had ended, um, you know, inspiring the, the 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 locker room and really getting them getting them all fired up at the end of the evening uh, regarding uh, what they just uh, the performances they just put out um, in honor of uh, John Huber and his family. So yeah, I'd, I'd check that out if I were you. Very cool. Oh, as long as you're alive and you remember him. And you remember his teachings, he's never gone. We did that tonight. We made that man proud. So this doesn't end tonight. This does not end tonight. As long as this company's around, as long as I'm around, and I know the rest of you will be here, we're gonna do that every time. And we're gonna make him proud, and we're gonna make him proud of everyone we've ever fucking lost. Because that's our art. That's what we do. Forget tonight. Use this. Take this energy. Yeah, it's negative now, but make it positive. And tell everyone you love them. Don't be like our fathers. Took it took my old man 55 fucking years to say he loves me. I love each and every one of you. Do you understand that? Because you put your bodies on the line. I love all of you. Stay, be with each other. God damn it, Brody. What a that motherfucker got me talking to everybody. <laughs> but listen, we're gonna get past this together. We're to be stronger than anything. Tonight showed it how strong we are. We fought through tears, we fought through everything we put on. Probably the greatest tribute show I've ever seen in my life. And we're gonna carry it. Let's carry it. And let's do it. To you and your family, the TNT champion for life. Check that out. Yeah, I know he and Eddie Kingston have a long relationship uh, since he had basically started wrestling. Yeah, uh, indie days. Yep. CZW, yeah, Chikara, Dragon Gate, I think, too, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Evolve, yep. yeah. 
ROH, Big Rig Brody Lee. That's uh, how he kind of started out in the comparisons between him and Bruiser Brody. So he took the name Brody and then Jason Lee from Mall Rats. So he took the last name Lee. So Brody oh, cool. Lee. Um, and that's where we get this incredible wrestler. Um, it's crazy just to throw one more thing. It's like it hit harder because he's only eight years older than me. Um, like you said, life is precious. And uh, yeah. it makes you really think. Um, how many people he affected too because you know you see these people um, uh, I'm more talking about the WWE stuff that I saw I didn't know he was that close with Big E or uh, Jason Jordan you wouldn't think that you know those guys had real relationships but he was the first one to hold Jason Jordan's daughter besides his wife yeah. and uh, him and Big I E like, texted every day and it was just uh, him and Cesaro too had a pretty tight relationship and they as go well. back to uh, the Chikara days as well Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff there everybody that he passed ways with um, he, which is almost everybody who's a top name in the business now um, what is yeah. your first experience or like uh, memory of Luke Harper or Brody Lee in um, wrestling? So, I had heard the name on the independent scene. I didn't really watch any matches. Um, you know, I had heard, you know, some stuff he had done in CZW with Moxley. Um, and then during my time on the Ken Reedy show, when I was doing that podcast with Ken, Ken had a. Um, Ken had a side gig working for the Savoldi family uh, and the NWA on fire promotion. He used to do their television as okay. like a commentator and he commentated a Brody Lee match and he still talks about it to this day um, that he had basically, basically Ken had noticed, you know, how well-rounded he was as a performer and he just kind of felt like this guy's going to do some pretty big some pretty big things but not long after that was when wwe had picked him up um and then i remember ken had said that um did you hear about that new signing to developmental and i said uh i said yeah i heard they signed a, a few guys he goes one of them i called their match recently on on that nwa you know uh television program and so um i went and checked it out it was at some like state fairground somewhere in like you know upstate new york or some shit like that uh i forget who he wrestled but you know um you know he moved from from what i remember he moved around pretty well um for a guy his size that bruiser brody look was the first thing i noticed um you know right away uh just the beard and you know his stature and the way he moved around in the ring um and then i didn't and then i just kind of like forgot about him in general because you know i'll be honest with you um i don't keep up with a ton of independent wrestling mm -hmm. i keep up with a fair amount um i try to read you know you know names that are you know on the rise um and who could eventually make it to the big time but um you know brody lee was uh, you know after that i would hear you know oh he he did this he did that or he's in fcw um then nxt then they kind of developed this wyatt uh character in um in uh nxt with him and uh eric rowan and bray wyatt but it wasn't until um 
It wasn't until uh, Bray Wyatt made his debut in the summer of 2013, where obviously watching WWE, I'd gotten a little bit more exposure to him. <laughs> and just the presentation, um, I remember when they did the vignettes in the beginning, and, uh, you know, Harper, Brody, whatever you want to refer to him as, uh, he spoke on camera. Um, they kind of like the, the first vignette, they kind of had a cameraman like show up to like the, the, the house in the back swamp wooded area. Um, and I was expecting him to be like some toothless redneck with like a southern accent. And he didn't really have that. And right. so that kind of like took me back by surprise a little bit. But just the way it was presented, I was just it, I don't know. if Have you ever seen the show True Detective on HBO? Yes, of course. Yep. Did you see the first season with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey? Mm-hmm. Okay. Loved it. So I, I've seen uh, that a couple times. Okay. So th- that scene, that setup reminded me of the premise of that first season, mm-hmm. like where like they were going after those those people that were murdering people, but it was like a cult with like voodoo in like the swamps of New Orleans, etc. Absolutely. So that like that picture, that image in my head, I was like, this is gonna be freaking good, like with these guys and just like the presentation, and then they like did like another vignette. They had like a series of vignettes in one episode of Raw that mm-hmm. like eventually led to their debut. Yep like the following week or later in the night where they like they had they first had the cameraman and the reporter show up to the to the house and Harper brought them in and said we've been waiting for you blah 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 and then later they show Wyatt with like a cult of like people like around like a campfire like out in the back of the woods you know and him preaching what he was preaching and just the whole presentation of it I was like man this is for a Pete I was like that was the first time where and I know for the longest time since WWE had gone PG, everyone was praying to God, like, oh, we need to bring back the Attitude Era. We need to have more edgier content. And we need to have more adult-oriented content. Well, this started program. getting towards the cinematic stuff again, the, those cinematic promos. Well, you know? not only that, yes, I was getting there. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. Sorry. No, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Absolutely. No, no problem at all. Um, yeah, the cinematic presentation was a big part of the Wyatt whole gimmick and the, you know, everything that it represented, you know? But the edgier, this is where I felt like they could kind of walk that fine line of being very edgy. Um, And then this would have been a good, like this would have been attitude era all the way. Like this gimmick, this presentation of the Wyatt family, like they would have thrived in the Attitude Era. Um, And I felt like that was the first time where I had said to myself, like, they could kind of turn the corner a little bit and walk that fine line between being PG and being maybe PG-13, if you will, Mm -hmm. with with this uh, this cult-like... you know, uh, gimmick this, you know, stable, if you will. Uh, And I, and I just felt like, um, it just had so much potential. There was, I feel, I still feel to this day, there was so much left on the table when it comes to the presentation of the Wyatt family. And there was, there was just a lot to be, uh, uh, there were, there was a lot they could have done. I feel like uh, creatively to make that group such strong heels that they would, I, I feel like they, 
they would have been in the conversation of being one of the greatest factions of all time. That's how good and much and how much potential they had as a group. You know, all three of them, even four of them, when you throw in Braun Strowman in the beginning, because mm-hmm. he even had a he even had a strong presence in the, in that faction as well. Um, but you know, as as the as the old saying goes. Um, we didn't <laughs> we we didn't get to see that. The creative had nothing for them for a, a lot of times, which I was always surprised to hear that like these guys, you know, they didn't have anything for these guys to do. They were such talented performers. Their characters, you know, resonated with the audience and I you know, and we can go on and on um, about the creative possibilities, but yeah, those are my first memories of Harper Brody Lee um, watching him on that NWA show and then uh, you know eventually his transition into WWE and I just thought like wow like this is this is something different you know like you have that cookie cutter image of what WWE was at that time in 2013 John Cena Randy Orton you know everyone you know sculpted like you know Greek gods and you know they're all the same but then you had these guys that were just so different looking and I was just like whoo like it just kind of took me by surprise yeah absolutely um I'll I'll say when I, I first got introduced, I started um, I started watching FCW because there was a um, there was a, a a wrestling website that would show New Japan and um, like just indie stuff. So I was able to stream those um, back when that was available more widespread, and I would watch uh, FCW, and I saw this character Bray Wyatt start to uh, uh, do these promos and guess what the person behind him in the promos was not John Huber it was uh, a guy that looks just like him and I'm, I'm blanking on the name I can't even I can't even remember the name I'll, I'll send you the uh, actual link and maybe you can name the guy um, but he's dressed in a tank top and jeans just like Luke Harper would be um, then I remember NXT um, was FCW transitioned to NXT and um, they merged that show together essentially rather than NXT being a game show NXT was FCW and um, I saw Luke Harper there and he had the same kind of get up as this guy that's behind Bray Wyatt in his first promo in FCW and uh, but like a flannel shirt as well so then I guess this other guy that they had on the roster left or didn't work out, and they filled the spot with Luke Harper. And they started uh, teaming Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper up first, and then all of a sudden they got Rowan in there uh, and made them tag team champions in NXT. And, uh, man, they were on fire in NXT, and I was already uh, I was already all about it. And then I saw Bray Wyatt lose a match, uh, I, th- I believe, to Chris Jericho, and they kind of wrote the Wyatt family off to their next chapter, and I knew that they were coming, and it took like three months. But uh, those vignettes and those builds to uh, to show when they appeared, Harper is always the one that caught my attention. Yes, Bray Wyatt is the leader in the face of the, uh, the Wyatt family, but um, Luke Harper was the standout wrestler in the whole thing. Um, he, he worked everybody. Um, he, he had great matches with Dean Ambrose when they had feuds. He had great matches with everybody. It was always Luke Harper was the one that could uh, carry the work rate um, yeah. in the matches. And, Absolutely. Uh, really made you believe that these guys were dirty and grungy because of that big beard and the big presence and his insane eyes. Um, 
and, and just the the hard hitting moves. He he never really uh, sugarcoated anything. Um, it was really really on point with everything oh, that he did. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's my kind of first introduction to him, and then the the memories throughout the years. Uh, I wasn't too pleased with. Um, the singles run that they they pushed him because they didn't change him up too much. They tried to make him kind of like a this psycho woodsman, and uh, I don't know. And then the the bludgeoning brothers. Some some things there were kind of inconsistent because I had already liked them as tag team champions when they were the Wyatt family. Why why change up the whole get up like that? Um, but uh, I, I think he really came into his own when he when he came into AEW. Um, you know, he had a bigger, bigger voice, and his promos uh, they captivated me because he he wasn't rambling. He was saying something right on point, and he was intimidating. Um, he was the best part of the Dark Order, honestly. Um, yeah, yeah. That, those had, are, yeah, there was yeah. a lot of potential there with him in the Dark Order. Um, going back to some of the stuff he did in WWE, um, like you said, his singles run. Um, I was okay with his singles run because I wanted to see what he was able to do um, on his own. I didn't like the abruptness of them splitting the Wyatt family up the way they, they did um, the first time around. I think yeah. it was with like the draft or something, yep. I want to say. Um, they had kind of split them up. It was just very abrupt, and I didn't really care for it. To be honest with you, um, there were times where, like you said, the Bludgeon Brothers, I didn't like the name. Um, I didn't mind the getup and just how, like, they had that, like, very, like, road warrior type mentality in their matches where they just beat the shit out of guys. I liked that about them. I thought that was cool. That, that brought, like, a little bit more of a, an aggressive side to them. Um, but I always felt like Harper could have Harper could have led a group of his own. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for instance, when they redid the Wyatts when it was Bray, Luke, and when Randy Orton was kind of with them mm-hmm. for that brief period of time. And then there was issues with Orton and Harper, and um, it led to, like, issues within the family. And Harper was trying to – Harper was the one that was trying to let Bray know that, like, this guy can't be trusted, uh, which turned out to be true in the end. But, you know, it kind of turned Harper into a baby face a little bit in, in uh, the, the the early part of 2017 where at one point I thought at that WrestleMania he was going to be a part of the championship picture with Bray and Randy Orton because of his involvement in that storyline. I, I thought too. that that would have been the best part that just to pull the trigger on having maybe Harper be the one to kind of dupe Bray and him leading a group like maybe with Rowan and then I even thought like the the Ascension at one point like could be like lackeys kind of change their characters up around and maybe absolutely kind of have like a little group of misfits that Harper was kind of leading mm-hmm. um, give well, them give them a theme you know not just not just present them as who they are, but like give them some kind of theme. Like I was even thinking of like, and this may sound silly, but I was even thinking of like maybe like a dark, like circus type group, mm-hmm. like the old Carney mm-hmm. type um, presentation that oh, Harper. Yeah. I've I, always I liked like, that. I think Impact failed at that presentation when they tried yeah. their Dark Carnival, but it, it, it was close. Yeah. I think, like, I, I thought, like, something like that would have worked well. Harper being the leader of a group, opposing Bray. People wanted to cheer Bray anyways, you know what I mean? People wanted to turn him into a baby face. Um, and then they brought Harper back briefly. Um, 
with Rowan when they did that stuff with Roman Reigns a, a year or so ago, a couple years ago, where mm-hmm. somebody attacked him. It was like a mystery. I thought Harper, I, they, they made Rowan was the culprit, which kind of like was as about as effective as when Rikishi was the the guy who <laughs> ran over Steve Austin. But yeah. I thought Harper would have been a perfect, you know, slot to be put in there because he was just, he had so much credibility and the audience, you know. Would yeah. believe, it was believable. Was Change up believable. the gear a little bit and yeah. kind of clean him up a little bit, but make him still like that same presence. You know, he's yeah, yeah, like that. And then when when they changed Bray's character over into the Fun House and you know the Fiend, that was where it was like last ditch effort for me. I was like, man, they could redo the Wyatts in this like Mister Rogers cult like demented form with Mm -hmm. Harper and Rowan and Bray and then like Bray turns into the Fiend Mm -hmm. and like they could like really like clean these guys up but still make them dirty at the same time I was like this could be cool if they redid the Wyatts in this like funhouse fashion like he could have a big sweater on and then just put stuff in his teeth and just make him smile all the time you know yeah you know like I felt like they could have really like added that like a new dimension of the Wyatt family absolutely you know with, with them but they they didn't and I'm not saying that like the presentation of what we got with Bray Wyatt is bad now because I enjoy it. It's probably one of the best things on television on WWE programming right now is is his uh, you know his funhouse slash fiend character. But I thought a, a, a redo of the Wyatts with Harper and Rowan in that funhouse format would have been pretty cool. But yeah, um, well, like I think you said like he's kind of coming to his own. He kind of came into his own with the Dark Order. I honestly thought they were going to pair him with Jake the Snake. Uh, True. In AEW, True. that that would have been kind of cool. But when they brought him in as this like cult leader of the Dark Order, you can see um, that he can cut promos himself. Didn't yeah, really need Jake that much. No, didn't need Jake. He could talk, and he had a presence to him. Um, I felt like though before his passing that the Dark Order was kind of like at a standstill. Yeah. With with him, well, I think and that had was, to do with his getting and I think Ill I think too. a lot of that had to do with his health. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like he won the TNT title and then he had to drop it abruptly because of his health. It was what it sounds like. Um, I was really hoping to see something special from him in AEW, and then you know, unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. But from you know, he was well on his way from what it looked like. Yeah, um, that he was going to be a major player. I mean, he he wrestled Moxley for the title. He had that run with the TNT title in defeating Cody. That his last match on TV ever was that great dog collar match. I thought that was really fun stuff. That was fun, um, and it was fast paced. And I heard an interview that he did on AEW. He he said uh, he left a piece of himself in the ring that night. And that yeah. uh, that's kind of eerie thinking about it now, um, and then seeing how fast paced that match was. I mean, yes, we talked about it before. It's because it's on TV, and they wanted to keep it going. But uh, maybe there was a fast pace or sense of urgency because he couldn't perform that long. Uh, he could get winded easily, um, and it just makes you think. Um, but yeah, I, I I think going back to one last thing in WWE, I think the blow off between him and Wyatt could have been better. They could have had a feud that lasted longer between just those two, you know? Yeah. Um, and going back even further, the the FCW guy that was behind Bray Wyatt when he first started introducing himself as Bray Wyatt in the Wyatt family, it was Eli Cottonwood. Do you remember him? Yes, I do. Yeah. He was, um, as a matter of fact, I believe he was, if I'm not mistaken, N- NXT. you're... 
Yeah, he, well, he was a part of that that NXT, um, the first version of NXT that was on that was on WWE television on mainstream programming mm-hmm. when they used to do the the rookies and the pros. Mm-hmm. I think he I think he was on there, and he had that he he had a presence about him on that show. Like he was like, oh, this guy could be some big creepy big man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That like. Like I immediately thought, like, oh, they'll they'll move him up to be Undertaker, you know, an Undertaker uh, adversary, you know, something like that. But um, yeah, okay, so yeah, now that now and I'm starting to remember it. Yeah, Eli Cottonwood and and Rowan, and then they eventually put in uh, Harper. No, it Um, it was just Eli Cottonwood, and then when they rebranded to NXT, they just replaced Eli with Luke. Um, Oh, okay, and and like it's, it's a better it's a better fitting. I mean, I could not imagine anybody else in that position, but it was just oh, eerie. Absolutely. It was just weird kind of like seeing him, and I was like, hey, that is not Luke Harper. Yeah. <laughs> um, I sent you the link, um, so you can check that out later. Um, any okay. Any last, like, good memories before we, like, good matches before we go into the one good match to watch along? Yeah, um... I really enjoyed his ladder match with Dolph Ziggler at the TLC pay-per-view in 2014 mm-hmm. for the Intercontinental title. Um, he had some good matches with Dolph on TV. Um, he had a great match with AJ Styles um, in the spring of 2017. It was to kind of determine um, the number one contender for the WWE title mm-hmm. heading into WrestleMania. Which was even more reason why I thought like he should have been in the title picture at that WrestleMania. Um, that was a great match, and um, he had some good stuff with Daniel Bryan. Um, he had some good matches with uh, Ambrose and, and Roman Reigns um, individually. Um, I would say they did well as a tag team against the Usos. Uh, you know what? I literally was just going to say that. I went to. I saw my wife and I went to Money in the Bank 2014 in Boston. <laughs> Um, and they opened that show with the Usos and uh, the Wyatts for the tag team titles, and it was probably the best pure wrestling match of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, great chemistry between both teams. I really thought like the Wyatts and the Usos and the Shield were going to be like the the anchors of tag team wrestling at that time, um, and uh, you know, really kind of beef up the tag team division and bring tag team wrestling back to the the, the prominence it should have been. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was a great match. Uh, there's one more on the tip of my tongue. I'm trying to. He had some good. Did I say Daniel Bryan? Yes. He had some good yep. stuff with Daniel Bryan. Um, there was a match he had with Randy Orton at the 2017 Elimination Chamber event. It was oh, a yeah. singles match, yep. which was which was really good stuff. And I'm sure I could go on and on, um, you know, about the great matches he had in WWE. You know, I here's uh, a sl- here's a sleeper match if if you okay. if you ever get a chance. NXT, uh, Harper and Rowan against Corey Graves and Cassius Ono. Okay, not a bad Corey- tag match. Okay. All right. And you get, uh, get to see Corey Graves wrestle. Great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. And you get right, to see I'll Corey Graves wrestle. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I mean, those are just a few that come to mind for me uh, when it comes to his time in WWE. Um, like I said, AEW, there wasn't really enough of of him um, and the matches that he had had. It was a short period of time, and it's very unfortunate too because you know he date. The funny thing is, is that like he debuted. He was supposed to debut in his hometown in Rochester, New York, where they were supposed to have a live audience right before the pandemic hit. 
Mm-hmm. And so he never got to perform in front of a crowd, like a like a real paying crowd. Right. You know, uh, you know, under as, as the Brody Lee character in AEW, um, you know, so that's another unfortunate um, occurrence with his passing is that like he never really got to have that like that yeah. that that big moment again in front of a live audience. Yeah. Um, because of because of COVID and because of the pandemic, but here's another feud I forgot about. Remember when they were put in um, the way of Cody Rhodes and Goldust when there was that yeah. family angle? Man, that was some good stuff. Yeah, they were. Yeah, so like I remember, like at one point, like the Wyatts were kind of they were kind of doing the bidding for the authority, mm-hmm. like like on the low, right? You know, on TV, um, it wasn't really said, but it wasn't really denied either. And they were kind of doing the bidding for the, for the authority to, to take out, you know, anyone that got in their way. And yeah, they had some really good matches with Cody and, um, and gold dust as well. And, and the, the tail end of, uh, of 2013. Yeah, man, that was some good stuff. Some good storytelling as well. Um, anything else? No, man, I'm just I'm really looking forward to watching this match. It's been a while. Shield Wyatt's Elimination Chamber 2014. Same here. Um, let's uh let's tell the people how to get there. All right, you go to WWE Network. You should be logged in by now. Um, once you log in, you'll go to the WWE pay-per-view section on the left-hand side. You click on that. Then you can scroll all the way to, you can either go two ways. You can search Elimination Chamber 2014, or you can go to the year 2014 and scroll through. You get to Elimination Chamber, and you can go straight to the match. It's Shield versus Wyatt Family at 55 minutes and 52 seconds is when you... We can we can hit play. You'll get to, once once you click on that, you'll get to a recording, or I'm sorry, you'll get to a, com- a commercial um, of you know whatever. Like uh, when I hit it, it, sh- it showed an advertisement for 205 Live, and then it brought me to the match. So I paused it at 55 minutes and 52 seconds. Um, and when I say three, two, one, hit play, you'll hit play. Join along with us. Keep your television on mute so you can enjoy the running commentary from Kobe and myself um, as we watch this match. This is an interesting note about this match. Mm-hmm. So I was probably about a few months into dating my wife before, obviously before we got married, and her son was, you know, our son, I should say, was young at the time. He was, Christ, he's 21 now, so six years old, so he was about 13, uh, 14 years old. Um, 15 maybe I don't know anyhow yeah, long kids. story short yeah, yeah he's, a, he's a kid yeah um, and so he was a big wrestling fan he liked the shield he liked CM Punk he liked Daniel Bryan he liked the Wyatts he thought that stuff was cool and I remember one time showing my wife the Shawn Michaels Undertaker um, Wrestlemania 25 match which I consider the greatest wrestling match of all time and she was like that's not bad but you know like that the she she felt like the false finishes were too much and I was mm-hmm. like you're fucking crazy I was like maybe I shouldn't marry you you know <laughs> like you what the fuck are you talking about so anyhow we watched this match we ordered the paper this is bef- now this is before this is pre network so this was the last traditional pay per view before they launched the network and which what pay per view was this this is Elimination Chamber 2014 oh this was the last one you're right wow yep oh wow and so. We, we watched this match, and she says, she goes, that's the greatest wrestling match I've ever seen. 
Mm. And I was like floored. I was like, I mean, it was a badass match. Like, I mean, it really was. We'll watch it, man. This, this is a really great match. But I was like, you think this match is better than Shawn Michaels and Undertaker? And she's like, yep. Wow. And then she like got up off the couch and she was like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. I have to be up for work in the morning. And then me and my son, we watched the rest of the show wow. in the living room together. But yeah, that's what she thought. And I was like, holy cow. But this was a match where I was like, they need to run this back on pay-per-view again. Right. And they didn't, but they ran it back on Raw a few weeks later. But um, yeah, th- l- l- let's just get there, into there it. There was um, no comparison. The build. Let's get into the build real quick because the, the, the yeah. build started at Royal Rumble, correct? Um, the build, uh, I believe it was kind of like they, um, if I remember correctly, they had always teased this match, like little run-ins here and there between both sides. Um, nothing too crazy, but, you know, little face-offs every once in a while, and the people would go crazy. I remember I wanted to see this match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people wanted to see this match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Shield and the Wyatts mm-hmm. in the in the, 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 the Superdome in New Orleans, and... Um, you know, they, they brought it to us a month early, but uh, the um, there wasn't a whole lot going on in terms of build up with the with these two teams. They just kind of slapped this one together, if I remember correctly. There was a standoff before something happened. Uh, I forget what happened. Yeah, like I said, they had a they had a few different face offs before, but nothing really to set the wheels in motion until I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. There was a match on Raw where there was a, it was to qualify for the Elimination Chamber, and it was like Cena and Daniel Bryan, and I think Sheamus was in the match, and they wrestled either the Shield or the Wyatts. One of the, I think it was the Shield. They wrestled the Shield, and the Wyatts got involved in the match. Right. And that's how they set it up with these two teams. And then it was, you know, who's the who's the better group? Is it the Shield or is it the Wyatts? And they were kind of teasing a breakup with the Shield during this. This was leading this, to that. Yep. Yeah, this was eventually leading to it. And um, yeah, this was the. I mean, it wasn't uh, it wasn't a terrible buildup, but it wasn't bad either. No, and like uh, you said, I think they could have ran it back one more time. And built it, oh, yeah. built it more, and had a little bit more. But like we said, with so many things, with Luke Harper and the Wyatt family involved with WWE, it's kind of sporadic and ADD thinking. Yeah. There's no long-term effect too much anymore. But uh, you, you want to get into this? Maybe you'll have to adjust the volume here and there because I know that the crowd gets really hot when they have the face-off at the beginning. All right, without further ado, Dave, let's do the countdown. All right. Ready to rock and roll. Elimination Chamber 2014. Shield versus the Wyatts from February 23rd, 2014. Have your WWE Network queued up at 55 minutes and 52 seconds. When I say play, you're going to hit play. And then from time to time, um, I, I, I might turn the volume up to uh, you know get a feel of what took place, the crowd, and shit like that. So uh, I'll let you know, uh, you know when I'm going to... Uh, when I'm going to, uh, you know, put the uh, put the audio on, but for the most part, we're going to uh, talk throughout this match and have our running commentary. Um, so keep your TVs on mute as you're watching this with us. If you don't want to watch, you just want to listen. That's great too. Um, but without further ado, in five, four, three, two, one, hit play as we open here. Crowd shot looks like the sh- hotel echo. India. <laughs> Delta. <laughs> oh, man. This is a classic entrance, though. 
Um, I like this entrance. Yeah, I, I, I dug it. it. It's it's crazy that Moxley still does it. Yeah, you know, but it's, you know he's what, still though, bringing a part of him with with you know part of WWE to AEW. But it's not in the same spot, you know. He comes out in different parts of the the arena, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it, and it's kind of like a, a loner type entrance. Whereas like this here is very you know formal, uniform, True. Uh, come down the same you know the same spot in the the aisle way. Um, what a badass way for Seth Rollins to enter! He just yeah. jumped over the barricade, did a flip, and then you know sitting there posing. These guys were on fire at the time. Oh, I love this group, and I honestly—I'll be honest with you—when they broke them up later that year, I was not a big fan of it. No, I was not. I felt like they could have had a—they they, could have gone a little longer in a babyface run, um, and I felt like it was almost too soon. Uh, I really did, um, and I think too, like it was also—I think that's what also was a detriment to the early part of the Roman Reigns babyface experiment as a top guy. The was the shield breaking too up too soon it was too yeah. soon yeah he was just getting there he had just had that showcase uh in the royal rumble the month prior where he had a lot yes. of eliminations and then this yeah, classic he, intro right here yeah he had those yo this is great too when they used to actually light the lantern and blow the lantern out wow yeah. when it wasn't uh, <laughs> a digital thing oh my god yeah i know right yeah like 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 we're going to see here as he's coming out um, yeah, this is another great entrance too, um, with the uh, you know the lantern and everyone lights up their cell phone. They call it the fireflies. Like this is a this is a cool sight. Like have you ever, have you ever seen a Wyatt entrance in person? I have not. Yeah, I so I, I was at the uh, I was at WrestleMania the following month in New Orleans after this show, and I remember I had to take a leak. It was right before the match he had with Cena, and. I'm in the bathroom at the, at the Superdome, and he kind of had like a voodoo type entrance before oh, he did they, his normal yeah. Wyatt entrance. Yeah, they had the characters so, and all the makeup and everything. Yeah, yeah, and so I, uh, you know, I missed that part. But then when he came out, and it was just quite the sight to see all these people lighting up their phones and just with his entrance, like it was just, it it, it, it was very Undertaker esque. I've said that for a long time that like I feel like Wyatt could be like that next supernatural character that kind of like I wouldn't say fills the shoes of Undertaker, but he's kind of got that aura yeah. about him like if Undertaker they kept it did. Here and maybe geared it up a little bit, but they, I, I I think I honestly for me the Fiend went off the rails um, as far as separation between the characters, um, and I know they're two different characters, quote unquote, but. Uh, it's just way different than this. Yeah, let's, uh, this is subtle. Let's, let's play the audio Absolutely. for this here because this is this is this is good stuff. They're supposed to be chanting. This is awesome. I think when they when they get in the ring. These are one of those organic ones. Think about it, with maybe the exception of Rowan, uh, the the five guys in the ring could all be matched up, you know, one on one and have a great match. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like 
I feel like like Rowan was still, you know, he's he's a. It sucks because like I still think he's talented. I just think that they needed to develop something more with him. Mm. Um, I just didn't, you know, he, he obviously stands out as like the, you know, the. Oh, here we go! It's on now. Wow! All, all three guys, Moxley guys, going right say. after Wyatt, Ambrose rather. And this is great. And you had two big hosses going at it too, with yeah. Harper and Roman. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is some fun stuff. And and let's look. All right. This is seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is this was this took place. You know, roughly set. We'll be approaching the seven year anniversary next month of this match. And you know, look, look at what we got here. Okay. Wyatt. It's got this fiend character that's pretty much. You know, at the top right now, at the top of the food chain, I should say. Roman's the top heel mm-hmm. in in the, in the entire company. Um, Rollins kind of he had his time his to shine. He had his time to shine. Ambrose had a short run with the WWE title, but then as Moxley, he had a, a significant run with the AEW title. Obviously, Harper no longer with us, but um, you know had a, a, a short run as the TNT champion and was really coming along. Um, so yeah, I mean, ben, Redbeard is the only one that really, you know, hasn't made his mark. Hasn't really had like a moment no. per se. No. Um, I think the closest thing to that, aside from the Wyatts, was when they paired him with Daniel Bryan when when Daniel Bryan was doing the whole. Uh, the, the the earthy recycle gimmick. Yeah, and that was interesting. I kind of I kind of dug it, but I, I heard on the dirt sheets that they w- originally wanted to go with the direction of uh, Rowan versus Brian. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so he wasn't going to be paired with them, or they were going to split they them were up split. eventually. They were going to split okay. eventually, and then uh, face each other at Mania. But then okay. uh, Daniel Bryan suggested Kofi Kingston, and then we went and. Another direction. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I, I've never heard that before, but that would have been interesting. Um, now we get Harper in for the first time. Yeah, Harper tagging in, working on Rollins. Always stiff-looking um, stuff, like we said. Oh yeah. Nice kick. Nice slap. It's funny. Um, we. Uh, where was I? Uh, so I was at WrestleMania the following the following month, and I went to Fan Access. And when you go to Fan Access and you wait in line to like meet guys, it, you know, <clears throat> sometimes like it's like a two hour window, and you could be in line to wait to meet. Let's say, let's say you're in line to meet fucking, uh, you know, uh, fuck a legend. Like let's say like X Pac or something, right? Mm-hmm. And you go to meet, you're waiting to meet him, and the two hours is up, and then they they switch somebody out. So, I remember they had a line for, it, I forget who it was. I think it was one of the girls, one of the divas. Um, it might have been like AJ Lee or something. And they had a line for her that was pretty significant because she was pretty popular at the time. And her time was up, and they usually they usually fill someone in right away. And so, there was nobody there, so her line literally wore, you know, morphed into nothing. Like, because... 
there was no one there was no one to replace her yet. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like when you're walking around access there's those like blank staging areas where there's no one there. It's set up for, you know, an autograph session or whatever. Um, but there was no one there, so people just started forming out. And then all of a sudden the door opens to the convention hall and it's the Wyatts and all of a sudden you just hear Harper go, Yeah, 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 yeah and everybody went oh fucking crazy. Goodness. And then all of a sudden it was like this huge stampede of everyone getting to the line so they could meet the Wyatts. Wow. It was it was freaking wild. I and it got the, so many people came. I tried to get in the line. I was like, forget this. I'm not waiting three hours for this oh shit. <laughs> it would, but yeah, he walked through the door. He had his Toronto Maple Leafs baseball cap on. And he just, he did his traditional, you know, his yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody fucking heard it. And it was just like us, like the, my, my buddy Ken, who was with me, he, he was, he was making a joke. He was like, instead of the running of the bulls, it's the running of the marks. Cause, exactly. they, Cause they all fucking bolted to this, this area to, to get in line for this, uh, the autograph signing. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Roman Reigns getting a big pickup on Luke Harper. Yeah, yeah, great chemistry between these three teams here. Um, Now we got Ambrose in. Um, You know, one of of my disappointments regarding the Brody Lee run in AEW was that, you know, I liked the buildup that he had, he, him and Moxley had headed to their title match at double or nothing. But then I've not been a big fan of moxley's run against different challenge like it was a new challenger every month uh-huh. instead of like i felt like they could there could have been more with him and, and brody like another month or so or another two months yeah. you know like kind of extend it like it moxley went from he won the title from jericho then he had the run with brody then he had the run with brian cage then he had the run with with mjf then he had the run with eddie kingston yeah it was all you know, quick fire like, see what throw everything yeah. at the wall and see what sticks but I mean everybody yeah. liked everything that's the problem um, yeah everywhere. well I mean that's AEW for yeah. you you know they think everything's AEW fans the big diehards they think everything's great sure. everything that AEW does is, is great but I felt like there could have been a, a little bit more um, substance and uh, you know a, a longer run in the rivalry with, with uh, Moxley and um, and Harper here um, in AEW, but they had they had a singles run in WWE a couple of years, a couple of years back. Um, I forget what it was. I think it was like an Extreme Rules pay per view. They had like a Chicago Street fight. Okay. And they wrestled. They were the first match on the card. Was that for the Intercontinental? I don't believe okay. so. I, I don't believe it was for a title. It was just a singles match. They they wrestled each other. It was like a Chicago street fight at like an Extreme Rules, and they were fighting all over the place. And Harper tried to run away, and he gra- he got in a pickup truck, and Ambrose followed him, and Ambrose jumped in the back of the pickup truck as Harper drove off out of the building. So there was like a non-finish to the match. Yeah, it was the, it was the fin- year. It was next year, 2015. Oh, it was fifteen. Okay, so it was it was twenty fifteen. Okay, so it was, yeah. So then they come back in the middle of the show and they finish the match. I thought that was kind of creative. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I bet you Pat had a lot a lot to do with that. Um, Pat Patterson, yes. maybe. Yeah, who knows? I want you. Hey, Bruiser, I want you to take the pickup truck and you drive it with the banana. Right. You put the banana in the pickup truck. <laughs> you bring the banana with you. Okay? That's the Don't shifter. Don't forget the banana. That's the shifter. Yeah, that's the that's the stick shift. Oh, that's the stick that's shift. One, pal. 
just use the banana. You take and then you get the Ambrose, the 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 the, the funny guy, the, the the Roddy Piper Mark, and you put him in the back seat, and then you drive around the block for about three. I don't give a shit what you do. You go to the start or whatever, but then you come back and then you fight and then you do the Gaga and then you're a better piece. Yep. Play with the banana. Yeah, with the banana. Yep. At the end, you jump out of the pickup truck, you slip on the banana peel, and roll, roll you up for the win. Everybody go crazy! Oh, they go banana! Never was a fan of uh, Ambrose or Moxley sticking out his tongue when he sells. Yeah, it's funny because everybody and their mother, for the longest time, thought that Moxley Ambrose was going to be the the head and shoulders above stand all out. else, the the standout of the Shield. Um, I personally was a Rollins guy. I, I was a Reigns guy. Okay. I still am a Reigns guy. Um, I thought Reigns just had all of it. Um, and I, I I think that they did him no justice the way that they had kind of pushed him um, early on in that singles run. That's another conversation for another day as we see Harper back in here, him and Ambrose trading Stomping blows. on the head of Ambrose, hammering it down. See what he does here. Huge. But, uh suplex Go but ahead. um yeah that's a nice suplex yeah um what was i gonna say oh um you know ambrose wasn't i mean he had he had potential i'm not gonna sit here and say he didn't he but um i remember seeing him um the night after wrestlemania 28 in a dark match um, before Raw, he wrestled JTG, and he had some fucking heat on him, man. Like I was like, oh, he could be a real good singles heel, mm-hmm. but um, for whatever the case is, they didn't really pull the trigger until the end when they did this, the thing with him and Rollins the night that Reigns announced he had cancer, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really good. Yeah, and then they followed up. The follow up was terrible. Oh my god, they um, made him the worst heel in the industry. Yeah, it was bad. It was, it was really, really bad. Cheesy I, man. Oh, I mean, they they went from he turned on him, and then you know, I, I thought I thought the reaction the to that was city. great. Yeah. Oh, that was brutal. That stuff was awful. I mean, that was when they didn't care um, about him, and he wasn't signing a new contract and all that stuff. Here, um, looks like we're gonna Luke see Harper on the Brett's rope with uh, Seth Rollins at the top. Holy shit! Oh, this this looks like it's gonna. Be... Oh man! Oh wow! That's wow. great stuff there. Release German suplex. Ryan ah, see, slips even, over. Even, even yeah. the dog, even the dog popped for the for oh, yeah. high she spot in the background. She loves it. <laughs> yep. The dog popped for the high spot in the background. <laughs> yes, indeed. And then, oh wow, and selling like incredible. Yeah, he always sold well. He sold that knee perfect from Seth Rollins. The crowd is popping huge right here. We are almost. 15 minutes into the match. I mean, you still got a lot of storytelling there. Oh, I like that there. Wow. Side, side slam. Big boss man style yeah. from Harper. It's funny. When he used to wrestle, my wife used to be grossed out by that tank top. Same here. And I always thought, like, is that the same one? And they're just, just using it and washing it or spraying it? Or what are they doing there? You think I it's gimmicked? Heard, 
I think I think it was gimmicked. Okay. Yeah, I had heard that he had gimmicked the shirts okay. to make it look that way, um, and then he had different ones. Like so, he didn't wear the same one. But you know, I was convinced for the longest time. Ooh, that was a nice little stare down there. Yeah, uh, I was convinced for the longest time that he would wear the same shirt. Um, same here. It's always interesting to see what these guys wrestled in. I could never wrestle in jeans. Like, you know? I don't know how those guys do it. Like, all three of the Wyatt members are wrestling. Like, you got Bray Wyatt right there in, like, some some Miami Vice uh, extra large 3XLs. Um, And then you got Rowan coming in there with the janitor's cut off. (laughs) Custodial cut off. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Map, map, map all day long. Map, map, map while I sing this song. Gonna wax the floor, gonna make it shine. Gonna take off the spray paint with turpentine. That should have been. Any you Adam, that, for any of yeah. you Adam Sandler marks out there that, that should have been that his entrance music. Yeah. For a new character. You know what I'm Mr. talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, Mr. Clean yeah. Redbeard. Yeah. Redbeard Clean. There you go. The janitor. Oh my that would have been so 1995. You have the goon. You got Henry Godwin. You got Doink. You got T.L. Hopper. Then you got the janitor. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's probably where Vince is going when he dressed these guys. Like I said, Eli Cottonwood was kind of already dressed like Luke Harper before Luke Harper appeared. Uh, but the, yeah. But luckily, Luke Harper dressed like that as Brody Lee. Um, yep. So. Yeah. He. Yeah. He kind of kept the same look, but just changed the name. And even the the name, like I, I could, you know, it wasn't that big of a. Well, yeah, the, the diehards would be like, oh, they should have kept him as Brody Lee, you right. know? It's like, I didn't really care about the name. It didn't matter to me. Like, he, he looked the same pretty much from his days in the indies. They didn't really change him up a bit, you know, which is kind of like a sign of the times, too, if you think about mm-hmm. it. Because, as we all know, you know, you make a name for yourself outside the WWE. When you come in, forget about it. You're getting a fresh coat of paint. Um, well, some, and a, and a, to some degree. Name, but I mean, you, to, to, but for the most part, that used to be the reputation. Yes. But, you know, in the last several years, that, that wasn't the case. We see the difference uh, of Austin Theory, who's a guy who yeah. I saw years ago on the independent scene in Evolve in Maryland. Um, yeah. And he kept his name. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these guys are keeping their names from the indies. Um, but, yeah, let's get back to Harper here. Absolutely. I um, mean, just an aggressive heel and, like, wearing down Seth Rollins here, just splashing the neck in between the uh, bottom and middle ropes there with that you yeah. know, catapult. I mean, he, like I said, he was the aggressor of the group. As much as Bray Wyatt would lock in moves and do things aggressively, Harper was the one that was working everybody down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um it's funny. Uh, where was I? I was oh so Tommy Dreamer on social media posted a picture of it was the the, the Christmas loop of house shows in 2015 that he worked with Rhino and the Dudleys against all four of the Wyatts. Um, they had, they had that brief storyline on TV where it was the Wyatts against like the old ECW guys. Oh my God! It was Rhino, um, Tommy Dreamer, Dreamer, and the Dudleys, and then they did the yeah. eight man uh, table match. Yeah, they did the table match at TLC that year, which I, I, I was at that show in Boston. Um, and then, oh, that was a nice boot by Harper. Wow, uh, big boot to Ambrose. Um, and then for Christmas. My wife got me and my brothers uh, tickets to see WWE live um, in Hartford uh, the day after Christmas. 
Um, so it was the it was the Christmas show. So anyhow, Dreamer posted a picture of that house show um, of the eight man tag with the Dudleys against the Dudleys, Dreamer, and Rhino against the Wyatts, um, which was a fun little eight man tag match. But it was quite ironic that the that you know the day after Christmas, John Huber passes away, but five years prior. He wrestled in an eight-man tag at a house show that I was at. Wow! You know what I mean? Yeah. I was at that house show. I was on the. I was like seven rows on the floor. Wow! Um, watching that match. Um, yeah, so it was just quite ironic the timing of, of you know his passing day after Christmas and um, so we see here hot tag to Roman Reigns who was who was pretty hot as a babyface and a hot tag to um, Rowan. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The, the, the janitor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just never was a fan. I don't know. I can't get with him. Like, uh, it, No, I get it. I mean, he, he stands out as... Uh, yeah, as, he's big and know. dominating, but he needs to just be the guy on the outside. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, oh, here we go. Wow. Roman big drive-by. Luke Harper going right over the ropes. Luke Harper is no slouch for being big. I think he's taller than Roman Reigns. I want to say he's like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, something six, like that. Yeah. This is where I think it gets a little out of control. Oh, yeah. Ambrose hammering down here. Wyatt. Harper coming in. Yeah, the, the very hard-hitting style from him that I think translated well. He's one of the more believable. And then he would do something like this here as we see him about to go through the ropes and and guess what for an actual reason not just at the beginning of the match and then Seth Rollins coming in for a reason wow fucking moonsault over the top rope onto Harper let's play the the audio for some of this quick roll up Rowan kicks out double clothesline with the biggest guys quote unquote Man, that was amazing. Just dove right into Ambrose's head. Oh, shit. Bringing out the tables. I mean, the crowd is going apeshit. It's, it's amazing how they paced this pay-per-view, too, with an elimination chamber at the end. Yeah, they put this, like, right in the middle of the show, which is good. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to see it, like, towards the end. Absolutely. Here we go, a huge attempt for a, a powerbomb. Ambrose and Wyatt go over the barricade into the fans. That'll never happen for a while. (laughs) Rowan and Reigns. Rowan Reigns. I mean, listen to the, the audience right here.
this is great stuff, man. Just came down to a big brawl between them. Yeah, they built it up very well throughout the course of this match. This is a cool spot here. We'll keep the audio up for this. Absolutely. Harper throws Rollins onto the table. Wyatt beating down Rollins onto the table. Rowan in the ring with Roman Reigns. Wow. Not a bad follow up slam. Huge choke slam through the table. Jesus. Wow. Yeah, the crowd is actually really authentically into this. We're getting near the end, correct? Yeah, we are. We're getting near the end. I figured I'd cut the audio off. I mean, um, close this out here. We're towards the end of this match here. Um, yeah, this was, uh, like I said, they built it up very well throughout the, they paced it very well throughout the course of the match. Started off hot, then they slowed it down. Then when you it know, started to get wild, they took out Ambrose, quote unquote, yeah. and then they took out Rollins, and now it's the last man in the ring. It's Roman Reigns, and they're trying to pick him apart. Yeah, trying to stack the odds against him. See, I like this here. I like the way that Harper and Rowan worked well together, where Harper kind of like directed had that him. like very aggressive direction of him, like at times, and, and then like here you go, big boot. and then the deliverance yeah. to uh, to Bray yeah. over here. Yeah, he was he was his. He played his role so well in that group that, like, and like I said at the top of our show, there were so many creative possibilities that they could have dragged the Wyatt family out for a longer period of time. And then when they brought them back a few times, I was I was excited, but at the same time, I was oh, Reigns is powering out of Sister Abigail. It's funny. I think it was on this same show, when, like when the, when these two were going at it, the the commentators had made mention that this is a future WrestleMania main event. Absolutely between between Reigns and and Wyatt, and I still believe that to be the case. I think there's a good chance we'll see that in the coming years. Wow, the um, crowd's going ape shit right now for Roman, though. That's when they knew that they were like, yeah, we, we kind of got something here with this guy. Superman punches the Rowan and Wyatt. He was the silent killer. That's what people. That's what. That's what people were intrigued by. Is that he was this silent killer. He had this like very like calm demeanor about him. But then once they once they tried to give him a personality, forget it. It was fucking all over. Setting up for the spear. Big spear. Harper takes oh. the brunt of it, and then just a drive by fucking body, cross body from uh, Bray Wyatt, and then Sister Abigail. Yeah, it's over. So smooth. 
and the intensity in his face. Wow. One, yeah. two, three. Man. Uh, pop the audio on real quick, and then we can sign off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was awesome. Yes, that was awesome. Uh, Dave, this has been uh, this has been fun. Um, talking about Harper and Brody Lee, John Huber. Um, may he rest in peace. We will have some added audio in this uh, episode, so it's going to be a little extended. Uh, some stuff from the wrestlers and um, what Dave spoke of from being the elite, and then we'll have a 10 bell salute as well. So, um, yeah, thank you, Dave, for joining me. Any last uh, thoughts? Um, no, other than the fact that you know, this was like I said. This uh, I was I was glad I was able to do this with you. Um, this one hit me pretty hard, like I said earlier, just because I'm older. It's happened around the holidays. I'm a I'm a father. He's he was a father, um, and just you know the, the the most important message is is that you know don't don't take what you got for granted in life. You know, be grateful for what you have. You know, because t- tomorrow's not a promise. It's a privilege, and uh, you know I. I, I, I thank my lucky stars for, you know, the, the life I have with my wife and my son, uh, my friends like you, Kobe, my podcasting yes, and uh, my, my family. And, you know, just just keep that in mind with every with all of you out there. You know, just think about the good things you have. And, you know, the the, the, the bad times don't last. You know, they you, you eventually get you eventually get through it. So, um you know, this was a lot of fun. This is one of my guilty pleasure matches here. The, this this match, I'm glad we got to watch it. Um, I haven't seen this match in a while, and it still holds up as one of my. Fa- I'm not a big six man tag guy, which you know, in the coming weeks, actually, I'm going to be doing an episode of kicking out of two regarding uh, six man tag team wrestling and six man tag team titles. And um, as we're seeing here, that the aftermath and the carnage from this from this match with all six of these guys. Um, but this is probably one. This is probably my favorite six-man tag team match of all time. Yeah, and I'm not saying this just because we're watching this now, but it just the the, the way it was told, the way the story was built, the, the six guys involved. Like this was just some really fun stuff here. Yeah, um, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, thank you. So, uh, so we, tell everybody where we can find you, and uh, please. Oh, you know the deal. I'm not going to really sit here and plug, but you know Facebook and, and Twitter. You can find Kicking Out of Two. You can find the street the, the, these these shows on the stream on Retromania. Searching Retromania with a W. This ain't about plugging, you know, our shows. No. Uh, this is this is more about paying tribute to one of the greatest talents that we lost, and just a, a, a good human being in, in and of itself. That being. Uh, John Huber. Yes, and if you do like this show, please rate, review, share, subscribe. Retromania with the W at the beginning. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks for the continued support. And uh, remember, like Dave said, uh, cherish those moments and uh, every every minute counts. Um, rest in peace, John Huber. If if you never got the pleasure of meeting him, he was a fantastic human who did so much for this industry, the lives that he touched and the way that he made people feel, whether you were a wrestler, whether you worked on the crew, whether you were in catering, whether you were a fan, he is is someone who isn't just extremely important to me, but extremely important to everyone in this company. Mm-hmm. And, and we just, we really, we're going to miss him a lot. And so we love you. 
and and we wish we could see you again. I mean, it really has been amazing to see all the love and support that's been pouring out of all of the superstars and really everybody in the company. I mean, all day long, that's put on everyone's mind. So thank you for sharing that. And you know, the thing about it too is, uh, you know, and you've seen all you've seen all the posts, you've seen all the posts online on yeah. social media. Uh, he was an amazing father. Yeah. It was one of the yeah. most admirable traits uh, about him. We had so many stories back and forth about our kids because they're kind of cut from the same cloth. We got, you know, a couple of wild boys, you know, yeah. so every uh, WrestleMania, they would always get together. They called themselves the New Day Kids, <laughs> you know, and uh, they just, um, it, it was just an amazing feeling to share that bond, you know, with him. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, we've been seeing all the posts on social media and you just see how many lives he touched in the business, in the ring, but more importantly, outside the ring with all family stuff. Um, yeah, like, like Wood said, he's going to be dearly, uh, dearly missed. His presence is going to be missed. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We just want to make sure everybody, uh, no, thank you for sharing that. Everybody yeah. takes a second, you know, take a second. Remember him for the man that, that he was and the legacy that he leaves. Uh, just keep him in your thoughts. Keep here. And then right. Here. You know, it doesn't feel appropriate to really continue the conversation anywhere else. I think that that was a, something that needed to be said. And I'm, I'm thankful you two were able to come on to Raw Talk and say it because right. I know that he is already missed. And, you know, what a amazing person in life that was cut way too short. So... That's my dog, Thank too, you man. to you both. I yeah, wish we you talked about yeah, that before I asked my knees quick? was, too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> He'd be no, right there with that. Yeah. You know He'd have got he you knows. some jerky. He would have. He'd have got you some lotion. He'd have helped you out. He knew about that ash. Or some Vaseline. What was it? Some Cetaphil? Some Cetaphil? Some of that baby lotion. It was always clean. That dirty shirt wasn't dirty. It smelled like I know. I think they're done. Yeah. It's time for y'all to go. You said, okay. It's time for y'all to go. All right. We don't put some lotion by your bag. We to leave. Yeah. Where's your bag at? Yeah, we'll leave you some lotion in there. Talk about me, help me Maybe. Out. You got some lotion I can borrow? Put, yeah, put a dollar for gasoline. You got some lotion right in your bag. I'll stop yeah, by the ultra on my yeah. way out. Harper's Happy Homecoming. Also, I'd like to point out that um, this isn't Rochester, but that is Dolph Ziggler kind of being beaten by me. So it's a nice picture to choose, I think. Send that to Make sure he knows. Also, I look great. What'd you think? Thank you. <laughs> I needed that approval. <laughs> I don't think I fully processed that he's not here anymore. But also, I feel like as long as we remember him and as long as he gives us that, that smile on our face when we think about him, uh, he'll never will be gone. And um, just today, being in the locker room, sharing stories about him, it just brought me and my friends closer together. And I think that's another, just another credit to his character and his spirit and the kind of guy he was. Last time I saw Brody, he gave me one of these. So, bye for he is one of my favorite people to be around. He was just fun. Um, he was caring. Um, one of the things that 
you'll hear a lot about from people is how much he loved his family. Um, one of the things that I loved about him was that he always wore these different weird fun socks. And one time I asked him, I was like, dude, what's up with these socks? Like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And he goes, oh, well, my son picks out my socks and I wear them, I wear them for each show. And uh, that's just one of the things that is so special about him. Uh, there have been uh, so many incredible, beautiful things said about Brody. And one of the things I love is no one had to lie. He was as incredible a human being as described, so thoughtful. I saw so many stories and I know so many people who barely knew him. Um, he cared about people. He, people he, he barely knew he cared about people. Um, there are so many stories of him just being kind and thoughtful. And as much as he meant to the locker room, to the boys who really loved him, um, who he made laugh all the time, uh, his family meant everything. I remember uh, there's so many times, instead of hopping on a flight the next morning after a show, he would drive like eight to 10 hours just to get home as quickly as possible to be with his kids because he loved his boys, he loved his wife Amanda uh, so much and always wanted to be with them. Um, I am grateful for the time that we did get to spend together and I'm grateful that I got to know such an incredible man and uh, Brody, I love you deeply and dearly and I thank you for always being so good to me and uh, Amanda and the boys will always be on my mind and I will do my best uh, to look out for them um, because you and your entire family have always been so good to me and uh, I will I will miss you Brody so dearly I will miss you as long as I live and uh, I thank you for being the best human I thank you for, for being an example of what a man and a father should be and uh, uh, goodbye for, for now. And I just want to say to Amanda and the boys, thank you for sharing him with us. He'd rather have been with you, but he was such a credit uh, to our industry. And you know, you all are family to us as well. So. We mourn with you, but he's never going to be forgotten. The kids are his legacy. He was a man among the boys, and one day, uh, when young Brody's old enough, you got plenty of brothers waiting to put you over, kid. I'll see you down the road, brother. You know, if there's one thing I can say about John, is that he loved his family so much. And they meant the world to him. Where we would text each other all the time, and I'd jokingly tell him that I was gonna buy Brody his first Bruins jersey just because John hated them so much. John, your family is my family. They always have been and always will be. I'll make sure that everyone's taken care of. I promise. His legacy outside the ring is what. Obviously, much more important his family, um, and a little bit that counts the locker room and all the love you see from fans and friends. 
and family around the world. But more importantly, uh, you know that he strove to be a great dad, and you're going to hear that a thousand other times because it's a real thing. And uh, like I said, it, may, it makes you think every once in a while, you're like, I, I hope I end up being that good of a person at the end of the day uh, because you know that he, he already was doing it. Brody really connected with all of us on such a, on a human level that he reminded us of what was real, what was important, and what matters. And to lose your friend, you know, to lose someone so suddenly, um, it's just so hard for us to wrap our heads around it because he was such a good person and he had so much, so much to offer the world. And, you know, I think, I think Big E said it best, the fact that Brody has brought us all together in, in such a lovely way, it really is a testament to the person that he was. And we, we will never, ever, ever forget you, Brody. We will, you will always have a special place in our hearts and we love you and we will continue to honor your legacy. I'm sad to say that, you know, I didn't have as many of the incredible experiences that so many of the WWE superstars had with Harper. Um, you know, I, I read, you know, the, the tweets uh, and the posts online about, you know, these great moments that people got to share and, uh, you know, I feel somewhat guilty that I didn't get to, to experience that. Um, but it's not about the, the volume of experiences that you get to share with someone. I think it's about the quality and, you know, those very few moments that we shared together were very real moments that you can tell that there's something different about this person, that he's genuine, that he's real, that, you know, he's not, you know, having a conversation with you but actually thinking about something else. He's genuinely concerned, he's genuinely interested, he's genuinely, um, you know, wants to know how you are feeling and that's, uh, that's such a special attribute for someone to have. And I've been trying since last Saturday to write a tribute to Brody, and I haven't been able to do it. I haven't been able to do it, and I couldn't figure out why. And I thought, why are the words not coming to me? And then I realized that it's because it becomes real if I write it. If I really have to think of it, it becomes real. And I'm still not really prepared to accept that. I'm not prepared to accept any other reality than he's at home right now with Amanda, with Brody, with Nolan. Yeah, I don't know. That's the only reality that I can kind of accept right now, or that I want to accept. Because when I, 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 I'm avoiding it. The connection that I had with Brother Brody is what I call them. And today, I had a tag match today on SmackDown and usually I always wear all black. I never wear any other colors. I don't wear white, I don't wear anything. But today I had done a thing on my wrist, man, where I always wear my wrist tape. But today I had done um, what I always call them, which was Brother Brody. And I went out there and I wrestled with this on and I probably will for the rest of the time just for that tribute to him because uh, he impacted my life so much in a way. Uh, there's so many stories and there's so many things that I want to say about him.
there's not much to s there's not much <laughs> Absolutely beautiful in every way. I love you. I love your family, your kids, your wife. Thank you for letting me be a part of you. Pickle sounds like this when I'm on the road. I made Thank you. Yeah. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. And I'm a, uh, I'm a better person for getting the chance to know him and a better person for having the opportunity to call him my friend and I'm a better person for, for knowing and his, his family and I'm just really gonna miss him. He's one of those guys I would describe as a good brother. And those are few and far between. He's somebody I felt like I could trust. He's somebody I got along with greatly, gave me great advice, was an overall decent and good human being. Again, few and far between. So John would typically rile everybody up. My job was to try to rile him up. And uh, the way I would do that is, uh, you know, he would be, he'd be around the locker room and I'd go get him like a water bottle and I'd go give it to him and I'd pull up a chair from him and I would call him uh, Mr. Taker, sir. And if anyone knows anything, uh, I'm referencing The Undertaker, which is a huge no-no, right? Like, and then I would tell people like, oh yeah, like uh, uh, John told me that I'm, you know, as a young guy, I gotta show respect to the, to the generation before me. And, and John's basically like The Undertaker, right? And, and he used to get so mad. I've always been, taken aback by just what a, a big presence he has. And it can be intimidating for a split second, but then he instantly smiles and uh, starts laughing with his friends and he makes things fun. He made every moment that I spent with him memorable and awesome. And, uh, yeah, it sucks. I uh, wish I got to spend more time with him. And my heart goes out to his family and friends. The amount of time that we spent talking about like what our kids were doing and how amazed we were that our kids were doing these things um, was unprecedented. It was something that I always looked forward to. I just always appreciated that level of being a great father that, um, that he always brought to the table. Nothing was more important to him than his family. Uh, the monster that you 
thought he was um, on the other side of that curtain is the opposite of what he is on our side of the curtain. Um, when, I, when I had my neck injury in 2015, he sent me a video of uh, his son, young Brody, like uh, playing with my action figure and, you know, uh, wishing me well. And uh, I have that video on one of my phones still and it, it meant a lot at the time and now, I, it's, now it, it's so priceless. That, that footage and, the, and the, the thought and the, the memory I have of him sending me that video is absolutely priceless now. Uh, that's the kind of person he was. Harper was everything you could ask for. Uh, he was responsible, he was reliable. Uh, he was an incredible family man. And uh, over the decade plus that I, that I came to know him, you just saw that everything that he worked for was for his family, for his children, for his wife. Um, and that type of unselfishness, that complete selflessness, I think is what endears him to me more than how great he was in the ring or the perfect locker room companion that he was for all of us. He was a man's man, an honorable man, and a great human being. And I, I say that and I feel like everybody's saying that about him. And that's because it's 100% true in this case. He was a wonderful man. John's debut in NXT was against me. Uh, and it's a funny story. I was just, went to single leg him one time and he didn't want to go down and he just ripped my hair out. And it was something that we could laugh about for so long afterwards, years later. But uh, we just grew so close and sharing time on the road. Uh, He's such a family-oriented man, and that was something that just shined through from him. And he was one of those people that I always knew that I wanted to be around because of the joy that he brought to people, but like how genuine and caring and thoughtful he was. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to see somebody like him leave us. He's, he's an incredible person and somebody that I've just grown to love, and he's gotten to be here with my family, and as my family's grown, he was actually the uh, first person, uh, besides my wife and I, to, to hold my daughter. I, I had to write this memo the other day, and I was looking, I was looking for a quote, just, something that would encapsulate somebody like Brody Lee. And I, I, I came across this Samuel Johnson quote. I, I probably will butcher it, but I think you'll understand it. It says, you can judge a man's character by how he treats somebody who can do him no good. Over the past, over the past week, we've heard all these stories of all these different people, these degrees of separation who were positively affected by Brody Lee. There has never been a wrestler in every company in every locker room, with every member of management to have that one-to-one -one connection. And that's why everyone is affected so deeply. In short, he was a beautiful man.
I would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Brody Lee, and I am the Exalted One. Well, my time went so quickly, I went lickety splickly. Out to my old 55. As I pulled away slowly, feeling so holy, God knows I was feeling alive. Now the sun's coming up. I'm riding with lady. I'm not